Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. Welcome to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Hello and welcome to this week's Red Robin podcast. Joining me and Joe this week is a certain Mr Phil Barrett and what a cracking addition we have got lined up for you. It was back-to-back victories for the first time since 2018 as Rovers produced a comprehensive performance to sweep aside a moody Lee Drinos. George Lawler received his deserved call-up to England night squad. A new two-year Super League TV deal was announced. And it was announced that Greg Inglis will make his debut against Rovers as we travel down the M62 to take on the Warrington Wolves this Saturday. Before Joe and Phil joins us, let's go back in time to last Friday and our victory over the Leeds Rhinos. Karangi screaming for the ball on this near side. It is the last one. They're going to kick the ball towards the post. Takarangi again. This time he gets up and he's dropped it. He's dropped it over the line. He got there this time but couldn't take it in. And it looks like he may have injured himself trying to get that ball down. He can barely stand up at the moment. Well, that's a huge moment. Two former Bradford Bulls there going head to head. Ball now will swing in field. Milnes gets it away. Abdul's going to kick out to the corner for Hall. Hall, the ball bouncing. Will he get it? He's on the end of it. History in the making for Ryan Hall. His 200th Super League try and he scores it against his former club. What a moment for him. Rovers lead by four points to nil. Outstanding try that. But Hulkear are right back on the Leeds line again. Abdul short for Parcel, little sidestep. Powering his legs for the line and reaches out and gets the ball down. It's another former Rhinos on the scoreboard. This time it's Parcel and Rovers double their lead. They lead by eight points to nil. This ball is getting moved about by Hulkear tonight. Will now get the ball and fires the pass out wide. Here's Abdul, little grubber kick through the line. Will it bounce up? It will. And Kane Lynette picks it up and dives in for Rovers' third try of the evening. They lead by 14 points to nil. Yeah, you can see the benefit there. Of- Hasn't quite got the size to bust the line on that occasion. Now here's Dwyer. Dwyer quickly out of dummy half, reaches for the line. And Brad Dwyer with an instant impact from the bench and Leeds have their first points of the night. Six metres away, quick play of the ball. Parcel goes for another dive over, and he's over the line. But has he got it down? No, says the official. He's held up. That's a great defensive effort. Is it Richie Myler underneath there again? This time from Sutcliffe around the bootlaces. Short pass here to Lynette. Lynette powering his way over. Thinks he's got his second of the night, and the officials consult, and the try awarded. Kane Lynette barges his way in. Our last one, Dwyer spins the ball away to Myler. Myler goes out the back, they've got the room here. Hurrell gets it away to Luke Briscoe. Briscoe going for the corner. Has he got it down? No, he's knocked it on. Chance here for Litton to go either side of the... Rook area gets it away over on the far side to Mills. Mills out the back to Quinlan. Quinlan gets it away to Takarangi. Back to Quinlan. Good hands on the far side. Ethan Ryan going for the corner. What a tackle that one. Wants a quick play of the ball. He's told to get to his feet. They fire it. They've got numbers. Abdul's got numbers. Gets it away. Lynette going for the hat trick. He's in. Kane Lynette with a hat trick that will wrap up the points for Hull Kingston Rovers. 
Another powerful finish from Lynette. And Rovers lead now. Surely an unassailable advantage at 24 points to six. Yeah, they've been applying the pressure of OKR. Joe, Phil, it's great to be speaking to you again, chaps, especially on the back of another Hulkinson Rovers victory. Everything's a, a lot more positive now, isn't it, boys? <laughs> yeah, good to be speaking to you, Chris. Thanks for coming on again, Phil. How are you doing, mate? You've had a um, little operation, haven't you? I was going to get you on the week before, but you was recovering. How are you doing now? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Thanks. Yeah, fighting fit. Keel surgery. It's a miracle what can do these days, isn't it? So we're all good to go. Good. Good result, Chris. One, it just yeah, it's makes yeah, our life so, a lot easier. Yeah, it does, and I think um, after we beat Huddersfield, it was always about can we then go and get that back-to-back victory, one that next victory, um, and and do you know what? I think it was ended up being a lot more comfortable than we thought it would be, didn't it? Um, I thought Rovers were very composed, very, very accomplished, and. Actually, um, with about sixty minutes to go, you could you could probably start enjoying the game without watching it through your fingers, worrying whether Leeds are going to make a, a comeback. Um, you, you could sit back as a Rovers fan and, and start enjoying the game. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a well deserved and, and to get it on the back of the Huddersfield game as well, I think was even. Yeah, it was, mate. It was really good. And I think complete performances are what we lack at Ulkingston Rovers. And the last time we went back to back, it was the weekend of, I think, England and Sweden in the World Cup semi-final and how long ago that feels. And it's just so nice <laughs> to have them complete performances. And like you said, 60 minutes gone on the clock and you can sit back and relax. And even as OKR fans, we do worry in the last five minutes if we're going to blow it. But I felt pretty comfortable. Um, I did think we played really well for the 80 minutes, Phil. And some people stood out, didn't they? Did you manage to watch the start of the game? Because you always miss the first five minutes, <laughs> don't you? Do you know what, mate? I didn't even watch the first half. <laughs> I've watched it back since, right? But I've come into a little mode now where I'm stopping watching the first half of Rovers games and it all seems to be going well. Do you know what I mean? I missed the last two, so long may continue. But I tell you what, mate, it was good. I mean, I think the wins have come at a good time because I think some fans was just starting to get a little bit like the wagons was rounding, weren't they, on Tony Smith? Maybe a little bit. Not Personally, not myself, because I'd seen enough in them first two or three games to say he's got them playing a little bit different to how they have done previously under him. But I, I do think we needed the wins. And I think people was maybe just maybe starting to turn on Tony Smith certain sections of the support, which which was disappointing from my point of view. But we've had a response. We finally got the uh, yeah. two points on the board, lads. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we posed a question. Uh, got a, a few podcasts. I'll go now about whether Tony Smith's under a bit of pressure and, and you know, he was asking the question of supporters and you're right, there was, there was, I think there was probably just a little bit of um, apathy about how we'd, how we'd start and, and obviously, you know, the performances were there to a certain extent but the results wasn't. Um, I mean, if we go to, to the Leeds game and we're going to talk about him in a bit more detail later on in the podcast but you must have been pleased, Phil, to see uh, Brad Takarangi lining up for, the, for his uh, Rovers first team debut. Definitely, mate. I think uh, we, we've we've seen what we've missed in them first four weeks. Uh, without being absolutely outstanding, he just showed you what he brings to the table. Do you know, and there's more to come from him. Yeah, 
Joe, four minutes in, he goes up for that high catch, doesn't he? He, he nearly lands on the ground and puts it down for a try. He doesn't get back up. I bet you were starting to worry a little bit whether, whether you know, he was going to be injured or not. Thankfully, he carried on, didn't he? He did, mate, and I just thought, oh, no, we'll thrust him <laughs> back. It was a good salmon leap in the air, wasn't it? And I'm just watching it back now. A great take and so unlucky. I think he comes back, you know, he's back on himself. And I think he thought he was over the line and it was deemed a knock-on. But just shows what quality he's got all around the pitch. And I think he he looks knackered in some stages. And rightly so. He, he probably is not match fit. It's going to take him a few weeks to get up to scratch. But an eight, um, nearly 80-minute performance, wasn't it, before he got took off at the back end of the game when it was done and dusted. But some of the sparks, that was the quality. Probably... On top of Corbin Sims and Vetti, what we've see, seen, and even Ryan Hall, he's the star signing, and you can tell because he was probably at 70%, Chris, and he, he ripped Leeds apart, especially the moment in the second half when he did that little flick, and Ethan Ryan just misread it. But even still, it was a new combination on that right-hand side, and really positive signs, and I'm hoping we see Brad Sakarangi for a long time in red and white, um, and hopefully he can keep injury-free because we are a much, much better um, team when he's on the field. Yeah. 12 minutes in, Rovers get the first try. It's beautiful kick by Abdul, isn't it? He just puts it into a great area. Puts Briscoe in all sorts of problems. Briscoe doesn't know where he's going. And, and Hall just sort of nips round him, picks up the ball and goes in for his 200 try. A nice nice bit of a rugby league there, wasn't it, uh, Phil? It certainly was. I think using the conditions, because that sun was all over Tom Briscoe. I didn't really know where he was. He lost the flight of the ball. Uh, and then he couldn't get back, and Ryan Hall's over for his 200 Super League try. I think his four best ones have come in red and white, to be honest with you, lads. Hmm. Yeah, and then fast forward 16 minutes, Abdul gets the ball, um, passes it off to Parcel, and, and Parcel just bur burrows himself over, over the line, another ex-Leeds man to, to get a try, and, you know, at that stage, we look, I thought we looked very comfortable. Um, I don't think Leeds really was offering too much. There was obviously a, a lot of noise, wasn't there, about some of the returning players who were coming back from injury. But the, the, they looked a little bit clunky and they didn't seem to have much of a game plan. But 16 minutes in, Parcel try, I think it was, uh, it was good value for it. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I always find it funny when we play Leeds, we always get called all Kingston Ranos, don't we? But you look back at the previous years, Parcel, Danny Maguire, now Ryan Hall, they always get over and they always have um, a storm. I remember Mitch Garbutt scored as well at Craven Park against the Ranos, so they always step up and them two players definitely set the platform and Matt Parcel unbelievable. He had a good game the other week, didn't he? But um, um, last week, sorry, against Huddersfield, but I thought he was outstanding. He, you know, how quick he was around the rook. Ash Andley couldn't control him when he scored. And two really well-took tries. Abdul's having a really good assi um, season for assists. I think he tops the table. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think he's top of the assists. So it obviously means he's doing something right. I think the thing is with Abdul now, He's learning his role as that leading halfback. And yeah, he's not the quickest. He's not the most star-studded player that you're ever going to see. But if he's kicking games on form, we look a much better team. And I don't know about you, but when we get the... We look like we can score all the time when we've got ball in hand at the minute near their line. And that's what we've struggled, Phil, for the past few years. But I think at the minute, with them people who we've already spoke about, and then you look at, you know, the likes of um, when Crooks has come back, who can finish Ethan Ryan's got a really good finish. Then you've got Jez and Vetti and Sims who like to crash over in the middle. We've got numbers in attack now, haven't we? And it's great to see because at the minute, we look like we can score points against any team. I tell you what, Joe, we're dangerous of a bit of positivity here, aren't we? <laughs> from me, from me, I know. I know I'm trying away, not to, mate. 
do you want me to tell you the, the most the, the the two things I noticed? We just get back on to Brad Takarangi was how quiet Conrad Oral was, which shows you a bit yeah. of class in Takarangi himself. I mean, Conrad Oral's ran for 160 metres in the game, but you wouldn't know it, would you? So that to me tells you he's doing all the hard work out of defence because he's had no change out of Brad Takarangi on that side. And then about the two tries, I think for the first try we we. We bust down the right with Ethan Ryan, don't we? And for the second try, I'm pretty sure Ryan all bust down the left and we, we go the opposite way. So we're causing teams bother on both sides of the field, both flanks. And we was worried in that in that St. Helens game. We looked a bit clunky, didn't we? But I think we're eyeing that out now. And as you say, we look like we can score at will. We, I think, apart from the Saints game, we've scored at least three tries back-to-back in the other four games. Yeah, and and you know the fair try the game goes in in the twenty fifth minute. Another assist for Abdul dabs a little kick through on the left hand side, and Kane Lynette goes in for his first try of the game. You know how how good has how good has Kane Lynette been, Phil? And and how good could he be this season for Rovers? I think he's been brilliant. Do you know, <laughs> moving into the back rows seems inspired. Do you know? A lot of people were still asking him to play in this to to go back and maybe play in the centres at some point, but he just is at least a seven out of ten every week, isn't he? Do you know, and it's great to see him getting the rewards. I think he scored one try all last season in the left centre. I think that came against Hull in the final game of the the regular rounds, and this year, well, look where he's already. Brilliant. Yeah. And it took took uh, leads to, to the 29th minute to go in for their first score of the game. Brad Dwyer would come on to live and leads up a little bit, I think. And he it, it made quite a, an instant impact um, targeting Mustafa, I think. Um, it'd be good to get your opinion, Joe, on Mustafa. Uh, because we was a little bit worried going into this game, weren't we? That he'd maybe be a bit too fired up, a bit too pumped up. He might, he might risk giving away some penalties cause, just because of his sheer enthusiasm. Um and obviously, Dwyer, he, he runs in between Lynette and, and Mustafa and, he, and he puts the ball down. Um, what, what do you think of Mustafa so far, John? What did you make of him in that game against the Leeds I thought it was his worst performance, mate. We've been big fans, haven't we? Um, and we thought, is it worth risking him against this team that he's ultimately contracted to? There was a lot of passion there. And a few mistakes crept into his game. And we mentioned that he's raw, but he has got to calm himself down a bit. I know there's running in 100 miles an hour. It can work. He bounces. He likes to win the floor really quick. But at the minute, he has got an error in him. And he wants to iron that out of his game. I think Brad Dwyer, unbelievable player in that Leeds Rhinos team. I think it was the other week in the Challenge Cup against Saints. He scored two in two minutes, little darts through. Same as what Parcel and Jez are doing on a lot of hookers in Super League and the NRL now. They, they want the tries. They're not just trying to pass it on. They are attacking threats. And Brad Dwyer is definitely that. He did get caught flat-footed. But again, um, I'm, you know, it was Kane Lynette as well. He, a bit slow, retreating. And then ultimately, you lose the floor and you're going to get bounced off. But... The defence was outstanding, apart from probably a few minutes in the game, and that was one of them minutes. And I, I did worry a bit. It's one of them things where rovers, you never know, they can concede three in five minutes. But we weathered the storm, and even though Brad Dwyer scored, mate, we did ultimately come back, and I think they do deserve credit for that. So it was half time, 16 6 up, and it was nice to see, wasn't it? Because they responded well, Chris, and that's what we're liking this season. It's not just bending over and handing your asses to teams. It's We actually have got a bit of fight in us, and there's a lot of passion in this group, which I like, and I'm glad now 
that celebrations are not just fist pumps and all that rubbish that you're not allowed to do, even though you're tackling each other. You actually are allowed to um, celebrate now. So I bet there would have been a lot more celebrations in that Leeds game, especially when them former Ranos went over. Yeah, and it was a bit of a nonsense, wasn't it, when the RFL are finding players left, right and centre, many of them sort of semi-professional or rather get any, any money from the game anyway, and then you got the RFL finding them for, yeah. for over-celebrating. So it was a bit of a nonsense. But you put out uh, at our time, uh, Joe, on the, on the Red Robin podcast, we must score the first try in the second half. Um, and we did that, didn't we, that man again, Lynette, 49th minute, um, about metres out from the line, goes in, sort of three men on his back, and, and, he, and he gets over. And, and from that point, you're starting to think, do you know what, Robbers? We're looking good here. Um, I don't know what you thought at half-time, Phil. Was you thinking, next try, and, and that might be Rovers uh, done and dusted? I, I definitely think that... I, I feared the worst that we weren't going to score first, but we came out and just controlled everything, didn't we? You know, we, we spoke about Abdullahi, but we'll mention Rowan Milnes as well. Just did everything, all the simple things right, and defensively was sound, and just helped us get over the line, just to an absolutely controlled display for me. And I, th- I think there was only the, maybe the Luke Briscoe disallowed try in the, the second half where they really threatened the line, weren't they? I think we yeah. just controlled everything. I think Tony Smith, I mean, I don't know about you lads, but it astounded me the other day to hear we've got the best completion rate in the competition, which is not something yeah, really I was associated with that. the style of play. Yeah. yeah. And, and Tony Smith's made a big thing before, hasn't he, about he doesn't really care about completion rate. It's about what you do with the ball when you've got it. And now he, he's lauding the fact that they've got the, the best completion rate in the competition. But I think in these early games, I think it is something to be pr- proud of because for so often, Rovers have chucked the ball away and not seen outsets and it's come back to bite us. Um, and going back to that little try, uh, no try, I thought that was crucial coming straight after the net scoring. You know, if Leeds go in there, it's almost game back on. But, um, you know, and we're going to go on about the TV deal because it's been announced that a uh, video referee is going to be at every game. It'd be interesting to see if that would have been a try with a video referee. But don't matter, it didn't, it didn't count. Um, and, and Rovers sort of sort of build on that and, and, and take it to Leeds again. Yeah, they do, Chris, and I think defence is more important than attack in some ways, isn't it? And that's always been our problem. Even last season, we got the plaudits because we could score from anywhere, but was conceding 30 points as well. And the desire from Adam Quinlan to tackle there, from Ryan, bit of a misery, jumps in, was short on the right-hand side. But we've come back and we've made it in numbers. And Luke Briscoe don't get that ball down. It's a knock-on and... That, that won the game for Rovers there because if they'd have gone over, it would have been 20 points to 10 on the hour mark. And things went downhill for the Rhinos there, Chris. But really good scrambling defence for Rovers. And another thing we haven't mentioned, we've nilled a really good, a top-tier Super League team in the second half. We won 10-0 the second half, and that is massive confidence boost for the defence because, yeah, attack's been great. We've been able to do that. But Rovers have always been criticised for the defence. It's always been our um, weak point, and we're looking good at the minute. You know, not conceding in the second half is a massive wrap, so the players do deserve that, Chris. Yeah, well, I think one one thing that's gone a little bit noticed, and probably on the back of uh, Brett Ferramino getting banned for his rec- reckless tackle, was was it Newman on Ethan Ryan? Who uh, it was just after the uh, about a few minutes after Luke, uh, Luke Briscoe's try got disallowed. Ethan Ryan on the right hand side. Just about a couple of metres out from the trial line, gets absolutely it's a battered. Whack. I think a, a whack across the face. Um, and I, I think we got a penalty. 
And, and oh no, did Leeds get the? Yeah, uh, no, the they they got the ball back, mate. It was a an head shot, and he gets wiped out. I'm just watching it now, but yeah, oh, they got the ball back, Leeds. Um, because I think the, it was when they went down the field and the incident happened. But yeah, um, if you're going off Farimo, you got a yellow card. But it's a straight red. Them incidents, aren't they? It's it's tough because people going about rugby's needs to be rough and tough, and we're losing a bit of that out of the game. But even still, he's made contact with the head there. If you're going off other incidents. That one at LFC and Wakefield, and then this one now. A pretty cheap shot, and I think he's got away with that. Phil, has he been suspended, mate? I haven't seen, to be honest. No, uh, I think only Myler came out of it with his. Yeah. Yeah, it was only Myler. Just going off off topic there, then, Phil, do you, do you, what do you think about contact around the head? Do you think it should be an instant red, maybe? Because we've seen it with like the chicken wing tackles, etc., where you know they started getting heavy with the punishments for that, and then. Clubs actually stopped coaching, didn't they? They stopped using it as a as a method of tackling. Do we need to do something severe uh, to stop players connecting with with people's heads? I think we have. We, I think we have to take every incident in isolation, don't we? I mean, the Teddy Vano one the other week. I think that's a disgrace because Fiofad is facing away from him. Do you know what I mean? So, and he's gone to do him there. So, I, I to, for him to be sent off is perfectly fine in four matches with Farimo. That's front on. And there's contact with you, didn't they? I, I, I can just about accept probably it's it's probably an orange card in my eyes. You know what I mean? It's it, mm. it's close to if it's red, you couldn't argue. But I can take a yellow at the same time, even though he plays for Ulster, it should be like Cindy. Do you know what I mean? Banned. But <laughs> uh, yeah, front on, it, you can make a little mistake, can't you? And sometimes it goes wrong. But if you're attacking a ball carrier from behind. And going high and late, there's no excuses. But we do need to protect players more. I think I think fans need to understand now that the game's not as rough and tough as it used to be. Unfortunately, as much as we like to see see them all knocking ten bells about with each other, I think player welfare has moved on to the fact that we're protecting these blokes now. Yeah, and and and, that, and that's paramount, isn't it? You know, we, we've seen you know look at Corbin Sims, you know, free. Uh, three times he's had to go off uh, head knocks. You know that they're um, they're dangerous and and they can have not just short term problems but long term. So it's definitely something we don't want to see in the game. Eleven minutes to go. Kane Lynette gets his hat trick and Rovers final try the game. Just before that though, we've we've mentioned about Myler's uh, ban. Um, comes obviously on the back of a, an alleged forward pass. The referee obviously deemed it was. Forward and, and was Marla right to, to give the referee a lot of stick and question his integrity? I think as professionals, all players want to do is win. And I think Marcus Griffiths, it kind of got when it's on the hour league app and not many people watch it, it does go unnoticed. I think the Parcel try in the first half, there was a few decisions, but swinging both ways that Rovers got lucky with and Leeds got lucky with. And unfortunately, like we always mentioned before, and we don't want to bang on about the refs because it gets boring, but I do think the standard at the minute isn't, isn't where it needs to be. And I think Leeds were just getting pretty pissed off around the rook and it was a forward pass. You look back at it now, but at the time, Marla thinks it's a line ball. They're going to go under um, and get another try. And it would have been 20 points to 12. But he's obviously said some. He's said some big because he's got four ma- um, a few matches for it, and two or three, I think. And then um, he's obviously, you can't dissent the referee. We don't like it. Football, they get called all the names under the sun by these millionaires. And it takes this, the respect out, doesn't it? And rugby league always goes on respect. And I think if a player has said something along that magnitude, I don't know what it was. But Marcus Griffiths has obviously got annoyed and he's got the right to yell a card in. 
Rovers go down the field. The Scottish international, Mr. Consistent, gets his hat-trick and that's game done and dusted with 10 to play. And that was the game-changer, the tackle on Luke Briscoe and then the yellow card to Richie Marler and then Kane Lynette going over. And it's nice to see some decisions going our way, Phil, isn't it? Because, you know, the past few weeks, even though we beat Huddersfield, then when it was just me and Chris on the podcast last week, them two decisions still riling me up and we're still peeved off about it. But <laughs> ultimately, Rovers got the rub of the green in some places and Marler doing that was the best thing that happened to Rovers because we got the two points or the win percentage, whatever you want to call it, Phil. Yeah, well... Do you know, it was forward, wasn't it? Do you know, I'm, mm. I was surprised. Again. Yes. Do you know what I mean? A lot of the time, I just let them go, but it was forward and he was in a great position. It was a quick tackle for penalty, wasn't it? And uh, he's there, he's blew the whistle. And obviously, it's a question of his integrity. He's obviously called him a cheat, Annie, or something like that. Do you know, something along them lines. But I, I was more surprised with it when they ruled out that Briscoe try. I mean, we, 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 said, we said we're going to talk about the TV deal, but... I was shocked when he ruled it out, to be fair. Do you know, you, you see that yeah. all the time. Don't it, it probably was a knock-on looking at it, but nine times out of ten, I was just expecting the linesman to jog to the corner and him to point to the spot. But it was good. Do you know, that last? you mentioned that last Lynette try there. Just about picking him off, wasn't it? Uh, the ball from Lytton, from Dummy Half, was sensational. Do you know, pace allowed Abdul just to step inside that defender who shot the line and he found the Lynette through the gap and... There was no one stopping him. You know, it took some scoring, but that's what he's that's what he's all about this season, isn't it? He's he's doing all the little things right, Abdul, and so is Kane Lynette, and he carried a couple of them over the trial. We've seen him score that try, what six, seven, eight times in his Rovers career, and it's great to see. And do you know what? Back to back wins. We're all in a good place, aren't we? And yeah, three years. I think we, we deserved it from minute one. Do you know, we've, we've, I mean, the kickoff again, we, we forced an error within three tackles, didn't we? We scored a try yeah. after seven seconds the week before. This one, we forced an error after three tackles. We're doing everything right at the minute for me. It's the little things, I think, Chris. Yeah, you? you're right. And, 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 go on, mate, you go. No, I was going to say, mate, it, it is them little things and we're, and we're we, we seem to be a lot more co- cohesive and, and I think Abdul's been key to that because it seems to be that as Abdul's improved, us as a team has improved. One player, though, who's, who's maybe been um, a bit out of the limelight and, and has, who came in against Leeds and was very composed was Rowan Milnes. And, he's, you know, he's, he's obviously played second fiddle to Mikey Lewis. Tony Smith said that, you know, obviously selected Mikey Lewis as, his, his, as Abdul's partner. Um, but Rowan Milnes came in, did a very good job and... You know, we're going to talk about the squad announcement, but Michael Lewis isn't in the squad for the next game. So, obviously, Tony Smith thinks that Rowan Mills played very well, didn't he, Phil? Definitely. He, he just he just coasted along, mate. He's, he's, a, he's a proper halfback, isn't he? Mikey's uh, jack-in-the-box. You've seen he, he's on the end of plays. He, he, he's, he's got that tackle, uh, I think it was tackle to kick play for Crooksy's second try, and then he's on the end of a break. That's what's in his game, whereas I think Rowan Mills will just, he'll just do what an halfback needs to do, do you know it's great to see, we've got that many options now, do you know, we've even got a kid out on loan to get some game time in the halfbacks when before we've struggled to put two on the field What did you make of Milton's performance Joe? Very composed, mate. Like Phil just said, Mike is a bit of a jack in the box, and I think he's a lot quicker. Um, he's he's got that spark about him, and we've seen. I don't expect Rowan Milnes to go the full length or 
you know, be as quick as wingers and fullbacks like Mikey is. But we did look a lot more composed. The only thing, you know, sometimes if not much is happening, is Rowan Milne's going to be that type of player who can do them little dummies and go, we don't know yet. I hope he does prove me wrong. But I thought he was brilliant. I thought him and Abdul worked really well. He made that one little mistake when I don't think he knew it had gone back to um, set restart in the 38th minute, I think it was, and he kicked it through and then Leeds got a seven-tackle set. But to say the kids played a handful of games at the top level really, really well. And I think Abdul worked much better with him. I think we knew what moves he was putting on. A lot of experienced heads around him as well. But yeah, big raps to Rowan Milnes, Chris, because I think he had played a lot of rugby. Um, he didn't play much in the pre-season, did he? I can't remember if he even got on. And he didn't play many last year. So it's been a stop start. And especially as an halfback, it's, you need them game time, don't you? That's what we spoke about at the beginning of the season on the podcast. These halfbacks need to be controlling the rook, controlling games week in, week out, because that's how you develop. We can't have people playing once every three months and expecting them to come in and win the game for us. And it's really good. You've got Mikey, who's not even in the team, and I thought it'd have been a shoe in. I thought it'd have been in the 21 at least. And we've got other things to speak about before the Warrington preview. But yeah, I, I expect Rowan Milnes to start again in the half. So I know you'll put that thing out about Takarangi and stuff, and we'll go on to that. But I'm hoping. <laughs> Um, that it's the same team, bar um, obviously barring Vetti um, for Sims, but we'll talk about that. But yeah, well done, Rowan Milnes. I thought it was outstanding, and it just sums up what Rovers' performance was because it's back to back wings, and you can tell by our three voices we don't get that much, um, we don't let that often, do we, lads? Mm. And and let's be honest, that that um, the ability for Abdul and Milnes to play was built on another good game for our forwards. And, and that was without Vete playing a large chunk of the game, wasn't it, Phil? And Lawler, King, Hadley, you know, uh, Johnson, they are, they're turning up and they're doing a really good job for Rovers at the moment. Yeah, definitely thought it was Lewis Johnson's best game as well, that, especially that first half. He was playing off the shoulder of Milnes, wasn't he? And a little bit of footwork, I think that was for the second try, wasn't it? A little bit yeah. of footwork got him on the front foot and... We ended up putting parcel over. Everybody just seems to be playing well at the minute. Do you know, without getting too carried away, it's a young team, but uh, everybody just seems to be just playing well. I, I, I did. I'm, we're in a good place, lads. Do you know, and I'm happy. Yeah, and, and like you, you just mentioned there, uh, Phil. We, we, you know that we're a young team. There's, there's. Uh, you know, some really good talent in that team. One player who's, who's you know, been up there as one of our players of the season so far is, is George Lawler. And he's been been rewarded for his fine form by being called up to the England night squad. Joe, it, it's well-deserved, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. And it is no nonsense, isn't it? He, he puts in so much hard work. We mentioned about how many tackles he did last week. He'll run through what Colfia, I think his forwards love playing around him. He's got an engine, he's, he can play 80 minutes. I know Tony don't play him 80 minutes, but he can. And since making his debut in 2015, he's grown, he's grown, he's changed positions. And it's a well-deserved call, because obviously he was in the team last year, but COVID um, obviously cancelled the nights. And I did like the thing that was on about the international tournament that he mentioned as well. I would like to see the England Knights play a few games, even if it was against one of the home nations, you know, warm-up games for the 2021 World Cup. You've got Scotland, Wales, Ireland. You've got teams all be coming over. You know, you've got plenty of friendlies that you could organise there. So it'd be nice to see. And it's really good to have, obviously, a Rovers player in the England squad because he's going to go and play with, you know, some really good players at Wigan Saints and other few old lads, his um, ex-teammates, Joe Cater and Jordan Lane. So yeah. th th there's a lot of people we know there. Go on, Chris. 
No, I was just saying he's going to he's going to play with some good players, obviously, and then then obviously that's where it stops. You well, you broke up then, mate. So I'm guarantee you won't say nice things about the black and white. There, <laughs> I think the podcast knew to cut you off because I thought he was going to swear then. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but really like, good, really good for George Lawler, Phil. I think we've seen him grow, haven't we? And he, he deserves it. He deserves a crack at the big time, even if it's in the nights. He's going to be looking for bigger and better things in the future. And only a young kid, you know, 25, I think he is. So he's got a long future. And hopefully, just in the red and white, because I think he really appreciates that the club gave him a chance in 2015 when he was at Westall. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm glad to see that he's... he's he seems to. It's difficult to say this without sounding stupid, but I didn't think it was getting the best out of him the past couple of years. Do you know, we've run him into the ground a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, prof. And it's and I feel now that with these younger lads and the likes of George King in the in the middle as well, playing big minutes and playing well, it's bringing the best out of George. Whereas it fall into a bit of a rut for me. Not not that it was poor, but it just. Just seem to be just like motoring along slightly, do you know. Whereas, is is it is a genuine like brilliant player who could probably walk into every team in the Super League given a chance, do you know. So I think we was doing him a bit of a disservice as a club. Whereas now we've put players around him and he's and he's starting to he's starting to look like George Lawler again. If that makes any sense, lads. No, needs, no. Needs tying down, doesn't he? Longer term contract. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. He's uh, he's obviously out of contract, so he can talk to clubs from Saturday. I think Yestin Harris is his agent, as well as Jordan Abdul's agent. They're both out of contract, so let's hope the club's already been in negotiations, and because I'm sure they both won't be short of offers if they're on the open market. That's the only problem, isn't it? At the minute they start playing well, Abdul starts getting all these assists. Other clubs are going to be sniffing round. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, George all great news for um, George getting in the England night squad and hopefully we see him pulling an England shirt on in the near future. And big news coming out of Super League, lads. Um, it was announced that it's going to continue its rights with the Betfred Super League for another two seasons. That's Sky Sports. It's going to have 66 live games, including Magic Weekend playoffs, the Grand Final and the uh, World Club Challenge. But I think what we need to... Um, talk about is probably there is rumours that the BBC might be getting games YouTube with the Sportsman which is going really well obviously there's the stuff on the Hour League app but that's only for members but for me Chris before I go to Phil any rugby league is exposure and it's good exposure but I'd love to see the BBC getting a few games because I think the commentary is a lot better than Sky you know it does get a bit monotonous sometimes with Barry and Terry and I love that the fact it can go on YouTube and I think York and Sheffield the first game it ever showed Got over 20,000 live watchers, which is huge for a championship game with no fans. So it's good to see that rugby's getting a bit of recognition. The only problem is it's for two seasons. The money has been lost a little bit. They're not making as much money. That's due to COVID, Chris. But even still, Super League's on Sky for another two years. But they are talks to show it elsewhere on different broadcasters. It's a good deal, isn't it? And it's good for rugby league if we can get it right. Yeah, well, I don't know if it is that good a deal, Joe. I mean, I think, I think really Sky held all the aces, didn't they? Because there wasn't really anyone else in there bidding to to get the rights for it. So it was almost like Super League were being held to ransom a little bit. Obviously, they've got, what, I think the deal's reportedly worth about 25, 30 million quid, uh, which is, and I think the last deal was around 40 million. So it's a big cut that the clubs have received. Um, 
And, and fundamentally, you know, clubs need that money at the moment. We, we've seen that the problem that COVID's caused and, and how reliant they'd be on supporters continuing to pay their memberships and stuff like that. Um, so, so that money's important because it's the lifeblood of the game. Um, it's exciting that uh, Rugby League, Super League, uh, you know, could potentially be on, on free-to-air TV. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I think Sky gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes because I, I, I quite like watching it on Sky. I like Brian Carney. I like John Wells. Um, I even like Phil Clark in small doses. Um, even his Blazers? Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it crams against... Uh, fashion isn't it with him I mean I don't know who, who dresses him or whether he dresses himself but if he does he must do it in the dark because there's no way he puts some of them combos on he's a, it's, it's unbelievable what what he comes on with but and you know I think I think they do a good job putting the, the game out and uh, you know I enjoy watching it so it's good news that we finally got it confirmed and a two-year deal gives a bit of an opportunity maybe to look further ahead for for other operators and you know, one thing that I'd be interested to see is, and I don't necessarily think that uh, the, these free games or this package what they're putting together to put on free to air will be on TV. You've got things like YouTube now. You know, we're in a, a streaming world, aren't we? Not everybody necessarily watches TV as a as you would traditionally. You've got Netflix, Amazon, you know, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So Does that Twitch as well, Chris? Twitch, yeah. yeah. There's, you know, and there's all them other... Uh, um, hosting services so there's plenty of opportunity out there and, and I think looking two years ahead you know it puts puts Super League in a, in a position where you know they might be able to negotiate a, a better deal going forward but Phil one thing that's massive which has come out is the fact that every game next season every Super League game is going to have a video referee with, uh, with six cameras at every game that's going to be massive isn't it yeah, it's about time, isn't it? We're all going to be playing under the same rules, and we're not going to be having an advantage playing on a Thursday, Friday night rather than on a Sunday, or disadvantage if you want to put it that way. But yeah, twenty-six million a year, as you say. Uh, but that'll be the most interesting thing, mate. How the streaming works? Obviously, the felt the hour league app. It's half decent, to be fair, isn't it? It's nice to be able to. We can't go to Warrington on Saturday, so we can sit and watch it on the app, and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Obviously, we're losing fourteen million. It's going to kick the game in the bollocks somewhere, isn't it? You know, I, I fear for Championship and League One. If I'm honest with you, going forward, how are they going to? Where's the funding going to come from? Because I think Super League pretty much looked after itself after the last round of negotiations, didn't they? They they'd put a plan forward where they don't see as if the television deal was deducted, the Super League doesn't see as much of a deduction. On the top line, it'll be the Championship and League One that take the hit. Uh, I think they're going to Sky are going to go down to sixty-six live games from eighty as well. So, for all that we're gaining in tens and twenty games going maybe on the BBC or YouTube, as you said, in reality, the interesting thing is going to be that Sky are going to put more coverage into it, as you said, video effort every game. That's going to come at Sky's cost. That's the interesting thing of this deal for me, how we go from there, because it's about time, isn't it? Let's be honest, we've been doing it 25 years now with just the TV games having that advantage. And let's be honest, we've all seen a few games where we've cast a video referee and where we've wished we had it at the game. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I'm just hoping, lads, that um, we can actually see 
the video when the decision's being made if the game's not on Sky, but there is the video ref there. I hope we can actually see it and we just don't have to wait five minutes then for the ref to give it a try or no try because in some situations when the big screen won't up, Chris, it's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? When a vital decision's going your way or not your way, they'll give it as a no try, but it might get overturned and you can't see it on the big screen because there isn't one, so I'm hoping. I know Rovers and Paul Lakin was interested in getting a big screen, won't they, with all the new stuff that's getting done at Craven Park, but I'm hoping that gets sorted, Chris, for when um, the time eventually does come in 2022. Yeah, and what Rovers were ahead of the time, weren't they? We had that big screen. Do you remember the old BBC? Remember the one that used to be in town centre? And then Rovers, you know, we had the big screen, didn't we? Was that the one in the corner of the south stand? Yeah, yeah. yeah they never, so... they never, it ended up not working, didn't it? They, they never yeah. got it going. But yeah, I, I, I can tell you now, if you watch the Super League show this week, uh, Rovers' big screen was behind Tanya Arnold at the beginning. It's on a... It's on a big stanchion. You know, like the floodlight was on a stanchion out the ground when it when it fell down and we had to get a temporary one. Yeah. There's a big screen on a, on a similar sort of stanchion where the old scoreboard used to be. Yeah. And I, and I know we're going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but how good did it did it look with Rovers having the seats behind the, the stand, you know, the south stand? You know, it sort of started to whet the appetite, didn't it? That, that actually fans are going to be allowed back into Craven Park very soon. Yeah, we're all going to be spread out, aren't we? Uh, I'm, I'm obviously, you can't please everyone all the time, but it, it's a temporary measure. It's probably been done. It's probably cost Rovers a few quid to get it in, but they're going to, they're going to, they've done it so we can get what four thousand people in. Well, all the pass holders anyway. I'm not sure how many that is. Uh, you'll all hear about that in the upcoming days. I'm assuming you've had your emails saying you've you've had your application successful and stuff like that. It'll get in touch with you. So we'll be back in soon and. We won't be watching streaming games. I'll be able to watch a full game as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, everyone, if you've done the ballot, you know, well done. But I think there was allowing 4,000 in one to fill real quick before we move on. Sort of close sure. to that. I'm pretty sure it was around that figure, wasn't it? And I'm not sure how many pass orders we ended up with, but it can't be far from that figure. No, let's hope so, because fans are coming back soon. And to go off topic before we go on to the Warrington game, Chris, we've had a bit of a weird week, haven't we, with... Um, we spoke, obviously, to you guys. We've put on our social media pages about Dave Bishop, former Rovers player, the Welsh Wizard, who played for Rovers in the 80s. Uh, um, suffered a stroke midweek. Shocking news, you know. A lot of the rugby league world have got around Bish. Loads of people, the Welsh Rugby Union, everyone messaging him. But the funny thing was, Chris, we'd spoke to him the day before and he was going to join us on our Heritage cast. Luckily, it was only a minor stroke. And he messaged us and said, I heard you want to postpone the, the Heritage podcast. Fuck that, I'm fine, I'm still going. And he's going to come and join us next week. It just shows... Um, <laughs> Just shows what a guy is. Best wishes to Bish. But big news, he's had his stroke, he's fine, and he still wants to come on the podcast, Chris. I can't wait. Yeah, well, they made a tough stuff, aren't they, down there in Wales? <laughs> you, know, you know, a mini stroke. And I tell you what, that just shows you how big and how popular the Red Robin podcast is. That Someone can have a stroke and his first thought is, Jesus, lads, I need to get on that Red Robin podcast. <laughs> well, especially when guest stars like Phil come on the show. <laughs> tell you what, exactly. If I tell you what, if I was half as tough as as, as uh, Bish, then I'd I'd be doing something right. Do you know what I mean? A bit before <laughs> our time, probably as a player. But all all look, my dad's told me about him. Do you know what I mean? A tough bloke, skillful bloke at the same time. And we wish him all the best, though. We hope he's back on full form soon, and I'm sure he will be. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, and I think my mum for one can't wait because she's absolutely in love with him, and she's told me dad if Bish ever wants a. Uh, 
that's the divorce papers coming through because <laughs> she is absolutely obsessed with that bloke. And when I told her that it was coming on the show, we've had a bit of uh, mixed emotions this week with everything that's going on. But the big news is Dave Bishop is doing well, he's recovering, and he's going to come on next week and speak to us on the Heritage cast. So um, keep wishing him well, guys, because it means a lot to Dave Bishop. So that is for next week. But this week, the Robins try and make it three wins on the bounce. Can they do it, lads? It's against Warrington Wolves. Big talking point is that G.I. Greg Inglis, after two and a half years retiring, is back for Warrington, making his debut in round five against Hull Kingston Rovers. This is how the, um, the wire are lining up. It's Akoala, Matty Ashton, Blake Austin, Rob Butler, Josh Charnley, Daryl Clark, Jason Clark, Mike Cooper, Ben Curry, Matt Davis, Chris Hill, Jack Hughes, Greg Inglis, Toby King, Jake Mamo, former Robin, um, Robbie Mulhern, Joe Philbin, Stephen Rashford, Joe Fulis, Danny Walker and Gareth Widdop. First, Phil, the big talking point is, and it's obviously it's going to be in it, we're a Rovers podcast, we're not going to give it much airtime, but Greg Inglis is, is one of the greats in modern rugby league, there is no denying that, but two and a half years is a long, long time to, to not be playing, not be training. He's back in. It's going to make his debut. One, where do you see him playing, mate? But I don't think, and I hope he doesn't. I'm sure once he gets match fit, he will have a bit of an impact. But I think people expect him just because in his prime, he could run through everyone and do these 100-metre tries. Super League's a tough division. I don't think GI is going to come over and make the impact everyone. Warrington fans think he's going to. And he's finally making his debut against all KR. We've got to target him, haven't we, mate? Because he'll be, he won't be match fit. No, it'll be interesting to see if he starts again. He's played all across the back band his career, and he wing, full back, centre, off half. Brilliant player. Uh, there's been a reason he hadn't played in the first five games, obviously. Do you know what I mean? So, are they going to give him 80 minutes? Are they going to, they're more likely going to bench him out, surely, and introduce him with 10, 15 minutes to go, if at all. Do you know what I mean? But fantastic player. I think that's going to help Rovers this week. There's going to be a circus around that in there, and we can just get on with it. Yeah, I'm surprised that I'm being put on Sky, Chris, because obviously when Sonny Bill made his anticipated debut last season, it was all over with the Wolfpack, wasn't it? But ultimately, Greg Inglis is as big, even bigger than Sonny Bill Williams in rugby league terms. You know, he's a legend. He's one of the greatest of all time. As weird as it'll be making it, I didn't think he'd ever be playing against Hull Kingston Rovers two and a half years ago when he retired, mate. But it's really good for Super League. But it's one of them things, if it ends up like Sonny Bill, it does make a mockery out of it. And I think a few Warrington fans are definitely a bit worried that G. I could go the same route as SBW. Yeah, and, and and let's get it right. I mean, two years ago when he retired, he was beat up then, wasn't he? He, he was he, he retired for a reason. Um, so the fact he, he's, he's now come out of retirement to Sam for Warrington, he's either thinking that Super League's not not really that tough a competition and he, and he can almost play at 80%, 70% of what he could, played in the NRL. Um, or he's taken a massive gamble with a, with potentially the rest of his life by by uh, getting another injury that that could could affect him for a long time. So you know, I'm not really that um, that worried that Greg Inglis is playing. I'm, I'm glad he's actually playing against Rovers because I think he he's going to be. Um, I mean, depending on how many minutes he plays, but I think he's going to be actually their weak link, and and I hope that they keep him on the pitch for as long as possible because. Uh, depending where he lines up, um, I, I don't think he'll have the the impact what what Steve Price is expecting him to have. 
No, I totally agree, mate. And I'm I'm hoping that um, Sonny Bill William, um, Sonny Bill, sorry, Sean Kenny Dell goes opposite him because that photo you put on it will be like 15 years ago, what in grand finals and Four Nations finals. Warrington have been a bit hit and miss. Um, the drew against LFC, they, um, they beat Lee quite comfortable, did get beat by Cass, um, but they did have a strong performance last week, Phil, didn't they, in the south of France, without Blake Austin, and it's come out today, a few hours before we've done this podcast, that he's actually available, like on the transfer list for next season, Ooh, he's been their marquee man, he shows glimpse of unbelievable player, but he's obviously not working there, is that because obviously Daryl Powell's moving in and Steve Price brought him over and he's leaving, but I think if you're looking at their key men, him and Widdop have started the season really well. Um, you've got Ben Curry, Mike Cooper. And a really name that we need to watch out for is Robin Mullane if he gets on the pitch because he's got a point to prove. Rovers get, um, swapped him for Louis Johnson. Same as Louis for us. If he gets on the field, I'll name the Rovers team soon. But for you, how do we stop Warrington for this? We want to pick up another two points. Well, yeah, I was I was pretty confident going into, into the game before I seen him in the south of France. And I thought, Without even without Blake Austin, that was just their best performance of the season, wasn't it? They, they've they've finally found something. Uh, with us, it's just a case of doing what we've been doing. Do you know, we'll put pressure on teams if we do that, won't we? We're going to be second favourites going into the game. But like I said, the massive stakes around Greg Inglis is the story about Blake Austin's a bit something or nothing, really, isn't it? Because he's out of contract, so he can talk to whoever he wants. Do you know? It's not like it's just a bit of an offing story that, but hopefully it adds a bit more pressure to him. There's no guarantees he'll be back in the team. I'm just happy with how we're travelling, mate. And if if we put in another performance as we has in the last, well, the last the five games, to be honest with you, even the St. Helens game, we, we, we'll give him a chance. Do you know? There's a there's going to be weeks when we don't get where we want to be. It's just natural, isn't it? We're a young team. We're playing well at the minute. Some weeks it won't come off. Hopefully it's not this week, but. I don't, I don't see a 40-50 point thumping anymore in this team either. Do you know what I mean? I, I fancy us to go and compete at the very least. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, the, the past all Kingston Rovers will be going, oh, you know, especially Alliwell Jones, it could be a thumping, Chris. But there is something different there. But for me, I think if you stop their span, I think Stefan Ratchford's vital, Chris, for Warrington. Um, when I watched them against LFC, you've got to put pressure on them. They did the same to all. And it, and it stops the play and it stops these moves going. And the way Rovers are free-flowing in attack, if they put the same defensive effort in, they'll be sounding that, yeah, we might not get the result. It might be a close one. But if we keep going the way we're going, and progressing, we've got every chance, I think, at weekend. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, isn't it? That you talked about the spine of, of Wires team there because you know, on their day, you know, the, the, some of the best players in the competition are lining up for Warrington. So, so let's make no bones about it that Warrington have uh, got a very good squad, but they're um, they're not that great, are they? Steve Price, you know, if you'd have talked to a lot of Warrington fans. They don't, they'd be happy for him to go now. You know, they're, they're, they're quite happy that Daryl Powell's coming in and Steve Price is going. So there's there's someone in that, that Warrington camp that's not quite right. And, and if you speak to, like I said, some of the fans, they, they think the players are playing in spite of Steve Price and, and actually Price's influence on the team isn't that great. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting interesting battle. And I, and I think, for me, it's going to be lost in the forwards. Um, and I'm delighted to see that Corbin Sims is back. Um, obviously, it's, it's a hammer blow that Vette is missing. But do you know what Corbin Sims for Vette? It's not a bad replacement, is it, uh, Phil? No, no. Uh, 
we had seen a lot of him either. So he'll have a point to prove. Let's hope it's a bit of controlled aggression, you know, because he's doing himself in. He's trying too hard, isn't he, Corbyn, at the minute? He's, he's, he's trying to lay a marker down early, but he's, he's, he's actually doing himself in, doing it. So I'm glad he's back. Obviously, he'd probably have a spring in his step anyway. It's his brother's former stomping ground, isn't it? You'd be expecting if the fans and he'd be getting a bit of stick. But we're in a good place. Chaps, and uh, as you say, Corbyn back, that's good. George King's performing. It's difficult to fault anyone at the minute. I know we, we don't we don't want to get too carried away, do we? You don't want it to sound like it's all rosy in the garden, but we just seem to be in a good place. Yeah, we do, mate. And um, as you mentioned, Albert Vetti's not in the squad this week, but these are the 21 that Tony Smith has named. So it's going to be Adam Quinlan, Ben Crooks, Greg Minikin, Captain Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul and Matt Parcell. Corbin Sims, Brad Takarangi, Kane Lynette, Dean Hadley, Jez Litton, George Lawler and George King. With Matty Stott and Will Dagger, Ethan Ryan, Rowan Milnes, Louis Johnson, Muz Mustafa and Jimmy Carnos making up the 21. For me, Chris, I think it's a straight swap. Sims for Vete. Um, other than that, you obviously put the tweet out earlier. But for me, I hope Tony Smith doesn't change out. Um, I'd like to see Milnes and Abdul get the nod still in the halves. I think Ethan Ryan deserves to stay in Takarangi. You're not going to drop um, SKD and Ryan all. But you have a feeling, don't you, Chris, that we're not going to see that? <laughs> no, and, and, and you know, they, I think sometimes people get a bit confused. This isn't, when I say sometimes, I, this is what I think Tony Smith's thinking. It's not necessarily what I want, because I agree with you, chaps, that I'd keep the team pretty much as it is. I, I, I think they, they deserve that after they played so well against Leeds. The one thing that sticks in my mind is from that Leeds game is obviously Keith Senior kept banging on about it. Um, and this was after he, he stopped calling us um, Hull and he, and he occasionally mentioned us as KR, um, which, which is another commentator on the Our League app who seems to be obsessed with calling us Hull. Anyway, that's a little, uh, little sad story. But uh, he said that he was playing um, Takarangi out in the centres to ease him back into playing the game, which says to me he doesn't see him playing at centre going forward. And with Lewis not being in the squad, I see Milnes being the backup and Takarangi going into the halves and Crooks lining up in the centres. Uh, that's, that's how I think Tony Smith might play it. But I've been known for talking a lot of bollocks in the past, so it might not happen. <laughs> what do you think, Phil? How's he going to line up? Do you want to um, keep him the same? I'd keep him the same, mate. But I, I just think I think that that would weaken us. You know, as daft as it sounds, bringing no, I think I agree. or Minikin back into that centre would probably just weaken us in in terms of they'd be facing Toby King, who's probably one of the form players in the competition. He's he's, he's turned into a great player. Yeah, he has fire, with, he? I think, Sorry to talk over you, Joe, but I think Takarangi would deal with him better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think Toby King, obviously, is coming against his brother, George. He's outstanding at the minute. I think he starts for England in the World Cup in um, eight, seven, eight months' time. And for me, I hope Takarangi still gets the nod in the centre because he looks so composed. He made that right-hand side defence his own. You know, he steadied the ship a bit, didn't he, with Rowan Milnes? And he gives you that option in the air. And for me... I don't think he's got he ain't got a really kicking game. Like you mentioned, Phil, you, he's played six games in the NRL. You're very passionate about him playing in the centre. And you can see why, because 
even like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Chris, a 70% fit Takarangi run the show against Conrad Aral, who was no mug. Yeah, he made all the meters, but you didn't know he was playing half the time. He's a threat in the air. Abdul kicked it to him and he caught it a few times. Yeah, he's rusty, but he's going to get better. And now I think if Rowan Milnes get dropped, it's that thing we mentioned earlier of these halfbacks, they're having a good game and then they're not going to play for another two or three months. So for me, I think we need to keep the same. But obviously, Vette is out and Corbin Sims is going to come in, Chris, hopefully. Yeah, and I like just echoing what Phil said. We, we hope it's Corbin Sims is playing with some controlled aggression because, like you said, I think it's going to come down to the forwards in this game. And, and what we need is Corbin Sims on the pitch as long as possible to help out the likes of uh, King, Lawler, you know, Hadler. You know, they, they, need, they need Corbin Sims because it's going to be a tough game. Um, and, and he'll definitely be needed. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, Lewis out the squad, but will Dagger, Jimmy Kainos still keep their place? Yeah, I'd, I'd, it's tough for Will Dagger because I think he's got all the fundamentals to be a really good player, Phil, and we've seen him in spells, haven't we, when he steps in when Quinlan's been injured. He's not getting a game at the minute, and for him, he's a young kid. He needs to be playing, and I see why. He's not going to get in over Quinlan at the minute. Quinlan's obviously our number one. He's a quarter spot. But Will Dagger must be frustrated being that cone boy every week. I think I had to put Mikey in just for security because you never know what about if one of them pulls up. It's always that... Um, Thinking in the warm up if you've got a spare half back. But what's your thoughts on Jimmy Carnos and Will Daggerfield? Totally different players, different parts of their career, but at the minute, not getting any game time under Tony Smith at Old Kingston Rovers. Yeah, I thought maybe we, we may move Will out on loan for a couple of weeks, but and maybe we need him for a bit of cover as well. Uh, I think we're Mikey, he's not in the squad because I think, as Chris has mentioned, you probably just move Takarangi if one of your halves goes down and you have, you've got plenty of. Covering the outside backs, aren't you? In all four of them, Dagger, Carnhorst, Minikin, Crooks can play in the centre or wing positions if needs be. If you if you're urgent, yeah. See, do you know what? It's a great selection of dates to have in it. But Jimmy Carnhorst must be doing something right, mate. To get named in that twenty-one every week, whether he's whether he's near the seventeen or not, his name's been there last two, three weeks now, hasn't it? So he's obviously putting it in, in training for Tony to stick him in that twenty-one man squad every week. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's and the thing is, when he does come on, he, he's he's a steady Eddie, isn't he? he he's, he's he's someone who, who who does a job. I don't think he's he's close to to getting in the squad, but like you say, Bill, he, he must be doing something right in training. Uh, and and Tony Smith must have an element of trust in him to be to keep naming him because potentially he could be lining up if if we get injuries or whatever. So he, he's there or thereabouts. One one thing that I did put out on Twitter today, and we talked about the halfbacks, is obviously you you've mentioned I think Phil that obviously Austin's out, um, he's leaving the club at the end of the season. He's available to speak. Ty, you know, if, if in this fantasy world, if if he came knocking on the door of Rovers and and they said, would you take him on for the the rest of the season? Would would you would you have him, Joe? Would you have him, Phil? I, th- I think it's the quarter spots, isn't it? I, I mean, I know he played Fringle, but I'm, you're good on these, Phil. I'm sure he'll still class as a quarter spot, won't he? Yeah, he will. He'll still be. We, obviously, we couldn't bring him in this year unless we moved one of ours on, but at the minute for next year, we've got four open with four four lads out of contract in Quinlan, Parcel, Lynette and Kenny Dowell, haven't we? So, do we need do we need Blake Austin? It's, it's, do you know, it's, it's the difficult one, isn't it? I, I think he's... he's is an is an enigma. God, I can nearly swallow the thing. Then is an enigma, and 
is that what we need in, as where we are as a club? Is, is is that the sort of player we need? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's difficult well, to say, isn't it? I'll, I'll tell you what, Bill. Yeah. It might be an enigma. What he definitely in is a winger. Well, yeah. But yeah, that's Wayne Bennett for you, mate. He's, he knows more than all of us put together. So he must have seen something in Blake Austin. Probably just wanted to keep him as far away from him as he could. <laughs> yeah, it's a, to go on from you, Phil, about Blake Austin, it's a tough one. I mean, we'll, there's no point speaking about end of contract stuff yet. I'm sure there'll be announcements in the next few months or so. When we get to the back end of the season, we'll obviously speak about whoever's leaving or we want to stay. Do all the contracts, we'll have a full episode on that. And that's not for this episode because we are a long, long way away. But it depends. It's so tough. I, I can't see Joe Keyes being here. But can I see Abdul Mikey and Rowan Milnes being here next year? Yeah. And maybe the quarter spots, I think what I'd love to see is like have a big NRL forward or second row, ball playing loose. Obviously, Minchella's going to be coming back from an ACL. So he's going to be not match fit. He's going to be very raw again. He's like starting afresh. But it depends. I, 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 don't, I can't see Blake Austin coming to Rovers. In hindsight, you can, he's an unbelievable player on his day. But I can't see him putting on a red and white jersey. I'd love to see him in. Um, but it's one of them things you've got two old lads there who are looking good and a kid from Bradford who looks composed who are younger than Blake Austin and have got a bit more about the badge and know a bit more about the club so for me I don't think it'll happen I'm not that fussed I'd rather see us if we do get rid of any of the quarter spots in the future maybe um, upgrade the pack but for me I wouldn't really like to see Blake Austin in the red and white. So remember, as Phil said, come Saturday, everyone who's out of contract throughout Super League can start talking to other clubs. So I'm sure the Rugby League rumour mill will start, especially with obviously Lee Radford joining the Castleford Tigers. There'll be um, rumours flying around there. But we do our favourite part of the week. We're moving on to our final part of the show, lads. It's the tipping league. I'll always go to Phil first and then you, Chris. It's... A really good week of Rugby League. I'll speak about the first game. And obviously, as we are speaking right this second, Wigan and Hull FC are playing. Hull FC have literally just gone over in the corner with Adam Swift. So it's 6-4 to Wigan with a kick to come. We're only 15 minutes in still. But at the minute, I don't know if you're watching it. It's a topsy-turvy game. I said to you, Wigan, Chris, I'm going to change my mind. You're going to have a go at me. But I think Hull are going to pick up the <laughs> victory. I, I really do. Phil, what about you? To be fair, I thought almost have scored because he had a little cheer down the line. So. Oh, shut up. You <laughs> were talking for it. No, I'm going for Wigan, mate. Don't worry about that. Chris? Is that, is that allowed, Phil? Are you allowed to watch the first, what, 10 minutes of the game and then change your mind based on, on what you've just seen? <laughs> <laughs> Have you already done the photo uh, already? No, I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm gonna stick with the, uh, the cherry and whites. Right, okay. Yeah, come on, Wigan. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, lads. Um, right, so we move on to tomorrow. There's a few games tomorrow. We start at um, the LV Stadium, whatever it's called this year in Lee. Still winless. They're host the champions. For me, it's six o'clock. I can't see anything but a Saints victory, mate. I think Lee are looking very poor. They had a chance last week against Salford, a real four-pointer, Phil. Got absolutely hammered. And I think Saints, even though they're not on top form, this could be the game where it starts to click for the champions. Yeah, it's, uh, they've 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 been steady, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? The 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 beat Rovers pretty convincing, but we had a good dig. Huddersfield gave them a game last week. It's going to cut loose eventually, aren't they? So I think they're going over the top of Lee. Lee haven't had much up so far. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Thankfully, no, Chris. No, I think Lee are a bit like cannon fodder at the moment, aren't they? And and, and to to be fair to Lee, it's not a 
it's not of their own doing, is it? You know, because they haven't had they haven't had the time to prepare that a lot of other Super League clubs and finances that a lot of the uh, Super League clubs have got. So uh, a little bit of me feels sorry for them, uh, especially more so for the supporters because really, what what are they supporting this season? What have they got to look forward to? Um, so um, yeah, all I can see here is St. Helens by at least thirty. Yeah, it's all going for Saints, and then at the same time. In West Yorkshire, Wakefield host the Catalan Dragons. They'll be um, a bit peeved off after last week's um, hammering at home to Warrington. For me, I think Chelsea's under a bit of pressure. It's not going well at Wakefield at the minute. They've got a few head knocks. They're loaning in play, young players from St Helens, um, not giving their youngsters a chance. There's a bit of uproar at the minute. For me, I think Catalan adds to that misery, Phil. I think the Dragons leave West Yorkshire with two points. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can't see anything different. You know, Chelsea's between a rock and an ad place at the minute, isn't he? The, the French, uh, they'll be smart enough for that defeat to Warrington. So they'll probably go there and uh, stick a few points on Wakey. Yeah, they're struggling out the Chris. Yeah, they are. But do you know what? I saw enough in that performance against Dull to suggest that, you know, they've got a little bit about them. I, I quite like that. Uh, um, is it is it Lino? Lino? Yeah, Mason uh, Lino, yeah. Yeah, I thought he, 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 he showed up well. Um, so do you know what? I, sometimes Catalan don't travel well, and, and when they do lose a game, sometimes they lose two or three on on the trot. So I'm going to go for a little surprise one here, and I'm going to say Trinity. Oh, you're a daredevil! You can tell it's Thursday weekend's coming up, and you're making all yeah. wrong choices. <laughs> that is all right. Then Wakefield are getting the two points from Chris Johnson there, and then again um, at Salford are hosting Castleford. Castleford, big news this week. Obviously, former LFC coach Lee Radford's going to be joining them over Daryl Powell in 2022. I don't know about this one, lads. I think it's the hardest one to call. I think Salford hadn't started well. They obviously had Ahmed Widness, but Widness are appalling in the Championship Park. That was a Challenge Cup game. They beat Lee, picked up the first points of the season. I'm going to say Cass just edge it. It's on the Sky Sports cameras, Phil, and I think Castleford take the points just. I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Salford are playing well at all. Do you know, I think even last week against Lee, they, they struggled for 40, 50 minutes, didn't they? And then just cut loose against a pretty poor outfit, if we're honest. So, Castleford are playing well, but it's starting to pick up a few knocks. Uh, yeah, I fancy Castle to go there and turn them over, though. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, echoing what your boys say, I'm, I'm going for a Cast victory. Yeah, too right. And obviously the big game that we're all bothered about. Saturday, one o'clock on the Hour League app, members, guys. Make sure you've got your codes. Warrington Wolves against Hulkingston Rovers. A lot of fanfare at Warrington, like we spoke about. The Austin incident, Greg English. We're going to go with our heart. For me, I think Rovers are on form. I'm hoping they can travel well to get a few away games. Um, a few away victories would be massive, Phil, because we've always struggled on the road, haven't we? Our away forms have been diabolical. We've won two on the bounce, but there was both at Craven Park. I'm hoping we can go to Warrington, get another two points. For me, Ulkingston Rovers, I hope and pray. I fancy it, mate. Do you know what? You see, it feels weird to say, doesn't it? But yeah, it uh, does. there's a bit of confidence about working, not getting arrogant or carried away or anything. I said earlier, I fancied us strongly before they played in France. It's it's it's, it's uh, whittled me down a little bit their performance in France. But I think if we get a good start again, I fancy us maybe three wins on the bounce, Chris. Uh, guys, it's a tough one, this one, isn't it? Um, if you know, it's, it's I'm going to hound you like you did when I chose Castle Catalan. I think it's going to come down to a battle 
between the hookers. Um, I really do. And do you know what? I think the way that Rovers are I can see us pipping it. But I do think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Um, one thing that I, before I make my prediction, and I've asked everybody, and I still haven't got an answer, so I'm going to ask you, Phil. Why are we kicking off at 1pm on Saturday? I wish I could tell you, mate. I absolutely wish I could tell you. I've got, I can't get an answer from anyone because it's the most ludicrous kickoff time when you consider how every other Super League game is, is not traditionally kicks off Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night, or a Sunday afternoon. Where does 1 pm on a Saturday afternoon come from? Do you know what? I never even really thought about it until you mentioned it earlier. But like you said, there's, there's nothing on later, is there? The Catalans aren't playing at home. So that's not the TV game. So it's like they've just picked it out of thin air, really. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm going for Rovers' victory, Joe. Yeah, good lads. I think, obviously, Matt Parcell and Jez Litton against Danny Walker and Daryl Clark, absolutely massive. And the final game on Sunday, Yorkshire Derby at the John Smith Stadium. Huddersfield and Leeds, we've played both these teams in the last past two weeks, the back-to-back victories. I think Leeds are still struggling. You mentioned Ash Handley, Richie Marler, Conrad Aral. They're not match fit yet. Richard Agar's obviously had a bit to say and there's been a lot of questions answered about last week's demolishing against the Red and Whites. But for me, I think Ian Watson gets his first win as an Huddersfield coach. Phil, I think they're at home. They've learnt from the mistakes. There was a bit better against Saints last week, weren't they? And I think they go one over Leeds and pick up their first points of the season. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. Uh... I think they played well against St. Helens. They played well after decent against Rovers, what they got going, didn't they? And then they had a decent performance against St. Helens. Uh, yeah, Huddersfield got over the line for the first time. Leeds just won out of the races last week, and I think they've lost a couple more bodies as well, haven't they? Yeah, Chris, Huddersfield or Leeds? I think you're right, Huddersfield. I think it's Huddersfield for me. Yeah, it's a good weekend of rugby league, guys. And remember, all Kingdom Rovers play on Saturday against Warrington Wolves on the League app. Make sure you've got your codes. Make sure to get it done early because people um, do have some stuff to say about the Hour League app. And Chris, before we finish, mate, we had some good news about our podcast, didn't we? Obviously, we've only been going three months. Um, we are a Rovers-based podcast, so it's hard to get it out there for other Super League fans. We're not a general rugby podcast, but we're actually 29th out of the rugby podcast, but a lot of them are rugby union. And I think now, with the listeners from the past two days, we've actually moved up to fifth in the UK rugby league podcast, and that's compared to the, the official Super League one. There's the one, um, the... The bloke in a bar, the NRL one, which is massive. So to say we've been going three months, mate, and this is down to Phil and everyone who's joined us, the Heritage cast, going really well. And we can't thank everyone enough, can we? Because we're fifth in the podcast charts in the UK at the minute. It's great. In rugby league podcast, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's amazing numbers. And, and, you know, when we had a little chat about doing this, we never ever thought it'd get us get the legs it's got, has it? And, and got the amount of le- listens and, and what have you. And, and I think we started the week with the news that Scott Morell's, uh, I think it was Heritage Cast number two, has, has gone over a thousand listens. So, so that's that's another podcast that's got, you know, amazing numbers. So just thanks to everybody so far. Um, you know, me, you, we really enjoy it. We appreciate people like Phil coming on, James from the Old Daily Mail. Uh, hopefully, over the next few weeks, we might start getting some other fans on as well um, and getting their opinions because it, we're absolutely loving speaking about Rovers. And like we said today, it's always easier to record on the back of an Old Kingston Rovers victory. 
Yeah, it is. I think we can definitely look at getting fans on, you know, for little short snippets, game reviews. It'll be good to do that in the future. But yeah, just a massive thank you guys from me and Chris and everyone who's joined us. We do really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show again, Phil. Glad to see you on the the mend, mate, and it's nice to speak to you again. Yeah, keep it up, lads. It's it's good. And uh, like you said, when you have a couple of wins to talk about, everything's rosy. It is indeed. So that's another episode of the Red Robin podcast, done and dusted. Remember, the Robins play on Saturday afternoon against the Warrington Wolves. Dave Bishop will be joining us for the Heritage cast later next week. Should be available the week after. And then we've got um, a bit of a different Heritage episode coming the week after, but we'll leave them clues for another time. But it is a good one. It's a bit different, Chris, but I'm looking forward to doing that with the guys that are coming on. So thank you for everyone listening. Let's hope this time next week we're talking about Rovers' third victory in three weeks. With me, Joe Appleyard, Chris Johnson and Phil Barrett, this has been the Red Robin podcast. We'll see you next week, guys. Up the Robins. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys.